happy Friday, everybody. It's the Information's 411, your weekly podcast from the reporting people at the Information. <laughs> the reporting people. Uh, my name is Tom Dotan. I'm a reporting person. Here's what we've got for you on today's episode. It's an Amir Fradi one. I am talking to Amir about ride hailing. Uh, a lot going on in that space in the past couple of weeks. Uber and Lyft had their earnings. Uh, they weren't good, folks. Not good. Uh, they both are also laying off pretty sizable amounts of their workforce as demand for ride hailing has fallen considerably during the pandemic. So Amir talks about what these layoffs really mean and also why Uber has found itself in a slightly better position than Lyft because of Uber Eats, which prior to this point was a bit of an albatross around its neck. Uh, and there's an interesting also side story about Uber and Jump and uh, Lime and how these businesses are all kind of shifting places and positions uh, during this period. That's my conversation with Amir. We also, for whatever reason, talk about the meatpacking industry and supply chains uh, because we just tend to discuss whatever he's tweeting about. Okay, before I get to that interview, which is a long one because it's an Amir episode, uh, I have a couple of things that I want to plug. So first off, on Thursday, May 14th, at 5 p.m., we have a live video Q&A to discuss what we've learned from the Chinese platforms and how they've handled COVID-19, and also what global counterparts can learn from their experience. The call is hosted by our Jessica Lesson and the Global Offering Development and Innovation Lead for Platform Industry at Accenture, Kevin Collins. That is quite a title, Kevin. And then uh, sort of an update on our annual WTF Summit. Uh, while we obviously had to postpone it, uh, it was scheduled to be on Tuesday. Uh, we are inviting members of the group and anyone who signed up for the event to a subscriber call about how startups are navigating COVID-19. So on May 12th, Kate Clark, uh, who covers venture capital for us, she's, she's great, uh, will be interviewing, will be interviewing, will be interviewing Laura Barons Wu, the founder of Shippo, founder and CEO of Shippo, Iman Abuzaid, uh, founder and CEO of Incredible Health, and Heather Hartness, who is the CEO of Human Ventures, about some of the difficult decisions companies are making during these uncertain times. Uh, for more information on both those events, please email alexa at theinformation.com, or you can check out our events website, which is events.theinformation.com. I did it. I think I did it. I kind of messed up the names. Um, sorry, guys and girls. Um, let's just get to my interview with Amir. Uh, all right, Amir, a lot to cover uh, in this conversation, but given your expertise in the space, I wanted to make sure we started right at the top of this interview talking about meat and the supply chain of meat um, in this country. You've been tweeting about it a lot over the last, over a month eight or weeks. so, eight weeks. Um, so clearly you've taken a keen interest in, you know, this country's meat supply chain. Um, what's uh, <laughs> what's the latest on this, Amir? Can I, can I go to the grocery store and get some ground pork? Um, you can, for the most part, I think there are, um, expected to be a lot more meat shortages. It's already happening in, in restaurants and you will start to see more of that in the grocery store. Um, and it, it kind of cuts across, I think, uh, red meat as well as, as well as pork. There's been some really good, um, journalism on the toll that COVID-19 has taken on, um, meat workers. I know that's not really here what we're, we're you know, what we are here to talk about, but it's, um, pretty important thing that's been happening, um, since this country is so in love with, with meat. Hopefully, 
um, people uh, discover, re- rediscover or discover vegetables. Vegetables are great um, and they will help you be healthier. And one of the reasons why I think COVID-19 is going to be so tough for this country, uh, although I hope not, is because uh, uh, this country is not healthy relative to some other countries that have done much better, uh, like Northern Northern Europe, for instance. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of why I care about it and uh, really interested to see whether people discover any alternatives in the meantime, not just like, you know, beyond meat and, and impossible burgers, but, uh, but also, uh, you know, vegetables. So, well, what I, what I found, go. and I trust me, audience, we can move on after this. What I found, um, so deeply depressing about this whole storyline is everything about it. I mean, both the treatment of the workers, um, who, yeah. you know, are getting sick at rates far, far higher than people in other industries. Um, probably because the nature of these jobs are all closely pinned into together and it's like pretty cold in these factories. But also, I mean, you know, if you've read the stories about all the animals that have to be euthanized because they can't be held on the farms any longer uh, and there's no slaughterhouses to take them. It's just like the, the, the level of devastation that goes into a decision like this or, or, or the pandemic um, is so deep. And it just to me just clearly reveals that we have a very, very broken system. Yeah, look, I, I'm not. But by the way, people are going to think I'm like a vegan or something. I'm not. I love meat. Been eating meat all my life. You're an Iowa uh, boy. That's why you care about the hog, the hog processing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I grew up in Iowa, but I do think that these are really good times to kind of review, um, you know, factory farming and and uh, you know the uh, processing uh, also of of all these meats. It's pretty disgusting gross, you know, affair. You, you really don't want to see it. Once you understand what it's actually like, you really want to eat meat a lot less or, or chicken a lot less. It's pretty gruesome stuff. Um, but, uh, but there are some quote unquote tech companies that are poised to, to do better or biotech companies or, you know, we got, I, I keep thinking what would have happened if Google had acquired impossible foods that makes the impossible burger uh, they're doing, uh, they're doing so well these days and poised to do much better now. So, right. uh, they're, they're probably happy they didn't sell. Right. And I, I mean, we'll see uh, post pandemic, you know, what the level of investment is in, uh, these companies, you know, a lot of them are already doing really well. Okay. People are begging me to move on. Um, <laughs> how do I transition? So, well, here's the thing, obviously we're not talking about, you know, the level of unemployment and sickness in the tech industry as you are in, um, in, you know, meat processing, but there is a huge kind of wave of layoffs that have already come or going to come in ride sharing, uh, or sorry, ride hailing, um, which you, uh, is your predominant beat. Um, so you broke the news a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, about Uber kind of starting to get really serious about laying off their workforce. And it sounds to me like this week the first wave sort of took place. Is that kind of uh, with Uber? What What is the latest? Yeah. So um, initially I heard 20 to 30 percent of the workforce of this 27,000 person company uh, was going to happen. Obviously, they have way, way more drivers who are contractors. And there's increasing debate about the kind of benefits that uh, drivers deserve, um, since a lot of them are out of work and are trying to find kind of food delivery, grocery delivery, or even warehouse work as an alternative. Um, Certainly after uh, some of the government stimulus money runs out, they'll have to do that, um, assuming that the recovery in you know, transportation and the core kind of Uber-like uh, business uh, will take a long time to, to get back up to normal. So uh, in terms of the layoffs at the company, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's happening. It started um, earlier this week 
with uh, customer support as well as recruiting since they're cutting people, not hiring. And um, it's going to get, you know, worse because big, big cuts are going to come to, you know, engineering and product and self-driving car development there and um, all sorts of other areas. So they're all prepping for that. Um, and it'll happen, you know, kind of within the next 10 days or so. So, um, yeah, Lyft had layoffs last week and, and look, I mean, so, so many, uh, hundreds or thousands of startups, venture back companies have, have been laying people off. So, you know, if you're an engineer, uh, you may have a little bit more luck since engineering is, uh, you know, always, always needed somewhere. Um, but, uh, for other types of folks, it's, uh, you know, it could be pretty, pretty rough out there for a while. So, and the general reason why Uber and, and Lyft, cause these are huge layoffs. I mean, that's more 30% is even more than Airbnb, which you would think is one of the most directly affected companies uh, in the tech world. I mean, it's as simple as the fact that people just aren't, people aren't taking cars right now. Right. I mean, there just isn't a demand in the U S for, for the, that service. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as we've been reporting for about the past month or so, the uh, and, and it was just confirmed by both companies this week when they had their first quarter earnings, ride levels dropped to down 80% versus a year ago. Jesus. Um, so, you know, quite severe. And they're now slowly starting to recover. And in some of the um, states that have... Um, quote unquote opened up there, there's been, there's been some more activity, but, uh, you know, the key markets are like New York and, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Um, the, that's where the money, the real money is, 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 is made particularly New York and, and LA for these companies. So, uh, going to take a little bit longer there. And, uh, yeah, so the, the companies basically said, look, we're in for a prolonged recession here. So we've got, you know, they're, they're basically planning for the worst and, you know, grab, uh, grab, which is a ride hailing company in Southeast Asia told us a month ago, they were preparing for two years of recession. Hopefully it's not that bad, but in a recessionary period, demand is going to be lighter. Um, on the flip side, on the late kind of labor side, driver side, um, that gets cheaper. You don't have to attract drivers or pay as much to quote unquote acquire them, uh, or attract them to, to work for you. Um, same goes for, for food delivery, um, could be less demand, but also, um, you know, if the, if the recession kind of is prolonged, but also on the cost side, it's less. So it could end up being, um, a really interesting case where some of these food delivery companies, that were just burning cash, including Uber, burning on Uber Eats. Uh, but, you know, DoorDash was burning, although not to the same extent. Um, and, and Deliveroo and other companies around the world were burning money uh, because there, ha- ha- there were too many players in every market. It could be that now um, they won't have to consolidate or merge with one another in the same way that they were before because okay, their I, I, economics I, I, are better. I want to stop you for a second there because um, – l- with Uber and Lyft, you have companies that have, you know, their core business is the same of, of ride, ride hailing. Uber has this, you know, Uber Eats business that has, um, you know, been something more in demand during this period as we're all stuck at home. Um, has that been a benefit to them? And like, is Uber in a better position because Uber Eats uh, exists? They are. Yeah. Uh, they, they would be, they're kind of overall gross bookings. They have like this gross revenue number. It's not the money that they keep, but it's the money that's kind of flowing into them through their apps. Um, that would have been down by like 80%, uh, right now, but because they have food delivery, 
it's only down 40%. Um, it's going to, it's going to be down more, I think on revenue, um, cause they usually keep a smaller percentage of food orders than they keep from ride, uh, hailing. But, um, yes, it's been a lifeline for them. It's given them a mission. They're about to close an acquisition of a grocery, uh, delivery firm, uh, called corner shop that operates in Latin America, I think Canada. So they have, they have some, some stuff. I mean, Uber Eats had been an albatross around Uber's neck for a long time because the competition was so brutal. DoorDash had uh, taken the lead and Uber really couldn't keep up with them and they were burning more money. DoorDash has been more efficient than Uber Eats has. And that's been a really big problem. So Uber Eats alone last year, I think it represented like 1.6 or $1.7 billion worth of cash burn um, for Uber. That's a ton, ton of money. But now that's sort of flipped. Um, for the time being, demand is through the roof because people are at home and it doesn't cost anything to attract riders. So yes, it's been a, it's been a huge thing for them. And they actually took a dig at Lyft in uh, their earnings call yesterday, Uber did, with the CEO saying that like, you know, other players that don't have food delivery are being hurt more in a reference to, to Lyft. So I think, yeah, Lyft wishes it were more than just rides. Um, but uh, it's not. Right. So uh, and on the side business front, too, um, you guys also had this story about Lime and kind of the increasingly entangled relationship between these two companies. Um, and then I actually want to ask you first about them, but then also about Lyft uh, and, and kind of what their uh, Lime type uh, business is doing. So um, basically, the, the short of it is that Uber in, led the round, the new investment round in Lime at a huge decrease in its last valuation and also kind of installed their executive as the new as the new head of Lime. Is that right? So one of the four, one of the senior executives at Lime, which is basically the global leader outside of China in terms of electric kind of bike and scooter rentals. Um, one of the top executives there uh, previously worked for Dara Khosrowshahi, the CEO of Uber, at Uber. Um, and he moved over to Lime and I think as part of this deal for Uber to get rid of its own bike and scooter rental business um, and, and essentially hand, it, hand, hand the keys over to, to, to Lime, which was, you know, crushing Uber anyway, um, although still not necessarily a viable business, uh, which we can get to in a second. As part of that deal, Wayne Ting, um, this fellow who, who'd been at Lime, was made the CEO. And that's because Uber wants to keep a very close eye on its Lime investment and sort of have the option to buy, acquire Lime if, if things work out uh, as they, they hope it will. So um, look, the micromobility space, as we like to call it, has been um, pretty exciting and strange, uh, sort of industry to follow. It has, there's actually a ton of debate. Um, I hate to bring up Twitter, but a lot of debate on Twitter yesterday about what is the ultimate impact of these micro mobility firms, whether it's bird or Lime or Uber's entrance or Lyft's entrance on, uh, kind of forcing cities to improve their infrastructure and do more like bike and scooter lanes and um, just kind of ha have uh, uh, acknowledgement that there are these new forms of getting around. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think the, the, the rental side of this, like being a, a Lime or a Bird or an Uber jump, which is now, no, you know, going to be uh, ending, that uh, was always a difficult model, getting people to rent these things. Um, was, was gonna, always going to be a difficult model because um, 
these vehicles break down very quickly. But um, I think over time, as these vehicles get kind of cheaper and cheaper, people are going to want to own these things. They already do. But I think more and more people are going to own these things, especially if cities continue to make improvements in protecting riders so that people don't die when they're out there with cars. Um, so I, I still think in the long run, uh, these companies, whether they succeed or not, um, have been part of the growing like push to um, change cities from being so like focused on cars to also being open yeah. to I, other forms. Of I, by the way, have, have mixed feelings on whether or not people are going to want to own these things. I, I think there's actually huge value in having it be a rental service because not a lot. Uh, first of all, I don't want to deal with the maintenance of uh, a battery powered, you know, motorized bike, which can be a, yeah. a, a problem. And also a lot of buildings are uh, office building whenever we move back into it included does not have bike storage. Let, let, let's table this conversation and let's Let's do another podcast. Where, no, no, no. Sorry. Let's do another one where we, where we bring Corey on and we can all debate this because I, um, for, for once, I actually have valuable insight that I could offer you guys um, on this topic. Uh, and, and, and Corey cares more about this than anyone. So uh, let's let's do this. This is a good topic. Sorry. Uh, no, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Don't apologize on the podcast. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, though, is and back. this is back to ride hailing. Um, so we ran this interview with a top exec from Didi um, earlier yep. this week. And that painted uh, a relatively rosy picture in China about how demand was returning and then like a bleak picture about uh, what it could look like in the U.S. I mean, what were your thoughts on, on the DD exec that we talked to? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was um, I, I really think that um, the story, which uh, is an interview with a former Goldman Sachs banker who's now one of the senior people at, at DD, you know, they're privately held. Um, they're the Uber of China and they, um, they in some ways are towing the kind of company line or the, the party line, literally the party line <laughs> in China of we did a good job and we're back, you know, or we're going to be back soon and everyone else is screwed. And, um, you know, I think there's some exaggeration there. I also think there's some truth there. Um, but it's for logical reasons and we all know, we all know why. I mean, this country, China has already dealt with outbreaks before that we haven't dealt with, you know, including H1N1, uh, and SARS. And so, um, so they're just better prepared for this. So I think their, their lockdowns were more successful than ours. Um, uh, I think, uh, as far as we know, but I, I do think there's some exaggeration there because, um, I think that's just, uh, that's just how, how things are, but I think it is useful. It is a useful contrast. I, I do think that, um, there is evidence that transportation, uh, has gone way up, uh, in, in China is not quite where it used to be, but is close. And Didi is saying that, that, you know, it has thus recovered. Um, there were also laws preventing mass layoffs um, uh, in China during this time, which I didn't realize until we were editing the story. Um, and it, that's also a huge contrast to um, what we see in this country where there are mass layoffs and have been mass layoffs. So it's really interesting. I, um, I think like DD is not a public company, so they have quite a lot of latitude in talking about the state of their business because we don't actually have all the numbers that we want. I see. Re read with a somewhat skeptical eye then. Um, all right, Amir, last thing. Um, what are you watching? What's, uh, what, are you, what are you streaming these days? Oh, well, I am watching the Jordan documentary on ESPN. Um, I don't know why it's not on Netflix. It will be. It was produced by Netflix. It will be. But, yeah, it's coming um, in the summer to Netflix. But but everyone's talking about it. It's like the it's you know it's the closest thing to 
Tiger King in the May, you know, 2020 period. If Tiger King was early April, um, Jordan seems to be having right. Dennis Rodman you know, is the Joe exotic of May. <laughs> um, oh, Rodman was so good. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. What else? Uh, trying to catch up on Westworld, although I'm told season three is, is bad. Um, so I'm in season two and, um, what else do I want to see? I think, uh, billions got started again. I, 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 if you like, like watching just pure raw, like finance and capitalism battles, then, then that, that's, that shows for you. Um, and let's see. Gosh, what else am I watching? I'm not watching as much as I used to. So uh, I am doing a lot of like reminiscing and watching old uh, soccer like highlights. Just remembering sports. This, yeah, but like from like this existing season, from like the, the season that, you know, came to a halt in March. I'm like watching stuff from like January, February, March, just like um, goals and, and stuff for my favorite team, uh, which is Manchester United, which is doing uh, – quite quite well up until, up until or much better up yeah. until the the halt so anyway not as bad as uh folks following liverpool which is uh, supposed to be crowned champion first time in 30 years but that's more than you needed to know no it is and it reminds me that we probably should have another podcast talking just about that but i won't be able to host it because i don't um i don't know i don't care um <laughs> all right amir um good 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 work as always thank you for joining and um yeah we'll have you back on soon all right stay safe all right that's good